Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I hope you're having a fantastic day. This is one of my favorite episodes to record. This is the member spotlight episode. Every month, the first Tuesday of every month, I interview a member of the AT Parenting community. I've interviewed a few of them so far, and today I had the pleasure of interviewing Molly Gambrell, and she is a mom to now a tween with OCD. They've been on this journey for quite a while, and she shares what has been happening so far, her takeaways and her ahas, and she also shares the OCD children's book that she has written throughout this experience. And it's one of my favorite OCD books. It's called Practice Being Brave, Owning My OCD. And I'll link it in the show notes so you can check it out. It is by far, I think, the best book on explaining OCD to kids. So it's a book that I recommend in my practice, normally in the very beginning of treatment. So a good one to check out for sure. Before we get started and I jump into my interview with Molly, just want to give you an update on what's been going on in the AT parenting community. Um, you can check out before I get into that other of the member spotlight episodes. I feel like we can learn from other parents who are in similar boats to us. It is a really nice way to not feel alone when you hear someone's story and you hear your own story in that story where you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm not alone. People are dealing with this besides me and they're having the same struggles and they're having the same wins. And There's nothing better than feeling like there is a community in your isolated world. And that's what the AT parenting community does for people who are raising kids with anxiety and OCD. So I do want to give you um, some of the other episodes too, that you can check out if you want to listen to more stories from parents who are raising kids with anxiety and OCD. In episode 145, um, we talked to, or I talked to, I guess I'm not multiple people. I talked to Sophie, who is a mom to a child with OCD and skin picking disorder. And she goes into the struggles of both of those. In episode 141, I talked to Courtney, who talks about her tween. Um, Yeah, he's a tween at this point. And her struggles with parenting a child who has moral OCD. And she had a lot of good insight into the, the journey that she's been on and how far her son has come. It's been actually quite amazing to see a lot of these kids just blossom over the past year that the AT parenting community has been around. So check out those two episodes as well as today, and you will have a lot of information and stories from other parents just like you. Oh, and I almost forgot episode 148 with Catherine, and she talks about raising small kids. Actually, her daughter is not that small, but her son is small with anxiety and OCD and also ASD. So check out episode 148 as well. So those are some good episodes to check out. And before we get started, I want to give you a little update on what's going on in the AT parenting community world. If you haven't signed up for my free three-part video series on self-care for parents who are raising kids with anxiety or OCD, you should, it's free and it's, I don't want to toot my own horn, but it's really good. And I'm not saying that because I made it, but just last time I did it, it was really good conversation. It was really good insight. I got all these emails about people who changed not only their own emotional well-being, but they impacted their kids, their kids started to get better, their relationships with their family members and their partner got better. It was really cool to just watch the ripple effect that this series had on so many people's lives. 
a lot of people emailed me wanting me to bring it back. And so I decided that, you know what, periodically I'm going to keep bringing this series back. So if you are not signed up to check it out, please do. You can enroll to get it. It's already started today. Or if you're listening to this Monday, tomorrow, it starts on February 4th. I'll just give you the date. And, um, it's going to be really, really good. I do Facebook lives every single day in my private Facebook group, which I will leave a link to in the show notes. So there'll be a Facebook live class on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I'll be in there all week, really giving you more information and elaborating and answering your questions on the videos that you're watching. So it's very interactive and you can sign up and get the links to watch the videos at your own convenience until when I take them down, which will be Sunday. So you can sign up. If you want to just text me, you can text AT self care. That's AT self care to four, four, two, two, two. So I'm not sure if that works internationally. I have had people tell me that they're not able to do that. If you're not able to do that, there will be a link in the show notes to sign up. But if you just want to text me, I think it may just be in the United States. Uh, you text 44222 and just write AT self-care. Give me your email and I will send you the links to the videos. Join me. It's going to be good. Also, um, before we get started, and then I promise you, Molly and I will start talking. The AT Parenting Community opens up. It's open today, actually, if it's Tuesday. Sometimes I publish this Monday night. So, But it is open, and I have decided to close my membership so that it's only open for a week at a time. So it's open just for a week from now until next Tuesday. So one week, and then the doors close again for a few months. And we just like to get to know the new members. So we don't want new members coming in all the time. So if you have been on the fence or you're like AT parenting community, what is that? Please look into it and join us. You can learn more about it at atparentingcommunity.com. We are an awesome community of people. Um, I teach to them once a week. They have a lot of free classes. They have free access to a zillion things I won't go into. You can check it out on the website, but Starting today, if you're on my wait list, which if you can get on my wait list today, within the next 24 hours, you can get this benefit. People on my wait list will get the old um, subscription price because the prices have gone up this new opening. And so you can get the old subscription price, which is just $25 a month. And you can also get a free copy of my book, um, anxiety sucks, a teen survival guy, which is a book I wrote a while ago, which is really good. I shouldn't have said teen in the title. I kind of like, ugh, you know, when you do things and you're like, why did I do that? It's really good for kids, probably about eight or nine and up into young adulthood. Very, very, very simple book. I made it simple on purpose so that people would read it and they can just get the help they need pretty quickly. So I have decided to gift that to the people on my waiting list. So that's going to be a lot of people to send free books to. If you are like, Hey, now I want one, then get on my wait list. It's really just for the next 24 hours. So if you're listening to this after February 5th, it's too late, but you can still probably join the community unless it is past February 11th. What day is that? Um, hold on a second. Yep. If it's past February 11th, I'm so sorry. You can get on the wait list. I have a wait list. Um, just go to adparentingcommunity.com. And if you're not seeing a countdown, that means it's closed and just join the wait list and you can get a benefit. And I always do like some of these bonuses every time to the wait list. So it's a good place to be. 
And to join my waitlist, I will leave a link below in the show notes. Um, if you are out of the United States, I'm not sure if the texting works. I should probably try that when I'm in the UK sometime, but you can text AT parent, one word, AT parent to four, four, two, two, two. So text to four, four, two, 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 AT parent, get on the wait list. Hopefully it's not too late. And then I will email you and get your details to send you my free book or it's not a free book, but your, your book is free. Well, without further ado, let's hear my conversation with Molly. Well, I want to welcome Molly to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah. So this is part of the series where we do a member spotlight. So Molly's part of the AT Parenting community and, um, and also an author. We're going to get into that too, because she's got a dual role here. But I'm wondering if we can start off with just maybe a little bit of your story and your daughter's story. Sure, sure. So um, my daughter is almost 12 now. And uh, when she was six, almost seven, she was diagnosed with OCD. Um, we were experiencing things for about a year and didn't really realize it till about the seven year mark. And um, so we've been on the journey for a while, almost yeah. five or six years. And um, at that time, we were very lucky to find a great therapist. We live in South Carolina, and she got us off on the right foot. Um, you know, learning ERP and doing exposures. And so I was lucky, very lucky. Yes. Um, and we made really good progress from probably seven to oh nine or 10 years old. And then the kind of the tweens have hit us yeah. and we are, we are having a couple challenges, but uh, we're working through them. So. Okay. So I thought maybe we can kind of go through some of the struggles that she's having and some of the tools that you're using to sure. show parents. And um, I think it's a good message, even just from the get-go, to say that OCD is kind of this long-term journey. Now, sure. I always tell parents, I'm like, it's not a cold. You're not here for the cure. You know, it's not like your child got sick, got a cold, then we cure it and you're good. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's like learning how do I cope with this, just like a diabetic learns how to like maintain their sugar levels. And sometimes when they grow bigger or hormones take place, there's a spike. And then you have to like shift and readapt. And so it sounds like you're kind of in that stage. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'll talk about that in a minute. Cause we are kind of trying to teach her how she takes her own ownership of her OCD because she's going to need the skills for her lifetime. Um, but I'll touch on the first thing of what we're working on first. Um, we've been having issues with moral OCD and, um, when I, when I joined your community, I think it was in January because we were three, four years into our journey. Um, you know, we had a lot of information and what I like about the community is we dig even deeper. So we've dug deeper into the different forms of OCD. And one of them was your uh, mini moral OCD course. And at the beginning, when she was young, I didn't realize it was moral OCD, but we had a lot of apologizing, um, a lot of telling on herself, you know, 50 to hundred times a day over and over. Yeah. Um, so we got that under control and then there's always been a little confessing through the years. And then just within the last couple months, uh, she's in middle school. And so she's been hanging out with her friends and she has realized that she will answer one of their questions. It can be something as simple as, Hey, what movie, what's your favorite movie? And she'll say a movie. And then her OCD immediately says, are you sure? Are you sure that's the right movie? Are you telling them the truth? You better make sure. So she's, she's questioning herself. Sometimes she says she feels like it's lying or if she's, you know, being a good person and telling the right thing. 
Um, and her compulsion is to immediately say, I take that back. And then she switches it to something else. Yeah. And so she brought that to my attention as well as uh, she feels like she has to be overly kind with her manners. So with a teacher or maybe a waitress at a restaurant or, you know, a cashier at a grocery store or something, she feels like she has to be overly kind. And then also they have to be looking her in the eye. And if they're not looking her in the eye, then she doesn't feel like she's been a good person and kind enough. So Hmm. in the past, I would have never known that was OCD or part of moral OCD. And because of your mini course and the things I've learned in it and some of the things you've talked about as well, uh, I immediately realized what it was. And I just happened to a couple months ago share some of those things with her because I thought, you know, we've definitely seen moral OCD in her and I want her to be aware a little bit. I didn't share all of the ugly stuff about moral OCD, but yeah. you know, the things I could, and she picked up on it right away. Um, so we've been working on it the last couple of weeks and it's getting better. We still have some work to do, but she did realize that uh, that's what she was doing. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of people who have kids with moral OCD think that their kids are just super over polite <laughs> and indecisive. Right. You know, like they're just so honest and they're so, and, and even some parents I work with who, who know that it's moral OCD because either they're educated about it or I tell them, they'll say, well, Natasha, you know, is it really that bad of a deal? Because, you know, my child's not going to drink or smoke or do anything bad and they want to be super honest. And it, it's sometimes it's a hard sell to tell people this is just as bad as washing your hands over and over. It mm-hmm. seems polite and it seems like they're going to make good choices, but the torment that goes with it for those kids or adults who have it, it's not fair. You know, it's, it's not fair. Yeah. It's totally. Um, an OCD theme, even though it brings some good behavior. (laughs) I know. I've had so many teachers. I I work at the school in the office sometimes, and I've had so many come up to me and say, your daughter is so nice and so kind. (laughs) And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, well, maybe it's not fully her choice. She's being so kind and so nice. So yeah, yeah. It's goods and bads, right? Yeah, it's the struggle. So what are some approaches you guys are doing right now? Well, uh, for instance, with uh, her teacher's she's since she's in middle school she switches every hour so she has six or seven teachers throughout the day and at the end of the period uh she has to go up to them she feels like she has to go up to them and say thank you have a nice day and like i said if they're not looking her in the eye then she feels like she hasn't done it correctly she's not repeating it but she thinks about it for the next couple hours so we've talked about how uh just to mix it up uh one day we said okay you only can say thank you you can't say thank you have a nice day Um, another day we've said, all right, you need to look the other direction and say it instead of looking them in the eye. I love Um, it. And I, I did get her one day to just totally skip to say it. It was super hard. Um, and she did say that she didn't do it that hour, but three hours later when she saw that teacher, she had to say it, but um, she did. Yeah, she did initially do it. Um, so we're working on for that part of it. We're working on those type of things. Yeah, those are good stuff because I would think, you know, even like contacting the teacher if you had a good one to make sure that they don't look her in the eye on purpose without her right. even knowing. That's a good, good idea. <laughs> would be a good exposure. Yeah. But you also bring up a good point um, that I want to bring up or highlight is a lot of times I think people feel like I just need to stay in my lane. So if my, if my child just has symmetry OCD or just right OCD, I'm just like, I just need to know about that. Like, I can't tell you how many emails I get from parents who will say, you know, with your OCD course, my bigger OCD course, they'll just say, do you talk about moral OCD? Cause I just want to know about that. Or do you talk about like just germs? Cause I just want to know about that. And I'm always, I feel like I'm on my soapbox and I'm like, no, you need no. to know about all of them. 
because you want to be proactive. You want to be able to spot a weed versus a flower. And you're a good example of that where like you knew about it from the community. You knew about like moral OCD, how it presents. And so when that little sprout came up and started to germate, you could recognize it in that field and, and pull it really quickly or start working on it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We have definitely had probably, we've hit so many different OCD themes. It's so good to know all of them. And I feel like, like when we go deeper into them, like you have done now for the future, just like it happened in this case, it's going to help her and I in the future detect it, you know, faster. So yeah, you, and this kind of goes into the other point that I think we wanted to talk about is uh, you really want to train your child to become their own expert and how to motivate them. And 12 is such a hard age. <laughs> I have, Super. Yeah. I mean, 12 and on, I have a 16 year old too. And I'm just like, that's rough too. So yeah. it, it just, it's a little bumpy once they hit the hormones and it is. they don't want to listen to you and they don't want you to work on their problems and they don't want you to tell them what to do. And so um, when they're younger, it's a little bit easier to work on sometimes their OCD, but then when they get to be older, like your daughter, how do you, how do you work with that? Well, uh, just to reiterate what you said, that's right. When she was seven to 10, I was in the captain seat. I could, you know, when she came to me with an OCD issue, I could, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to do it this many times a day. Or um, I would write things down and say, give me your numbers. Tell me your said numbers. I was in total control. And then about a year ago, she got upset and said, all you do is try to fix me. You're not listening. You're just trying to fix me. Um, and so between her and the information you were providing, I realized I was, I was not letting her be the captain of her journey. I was, you know, taking over. So in the last seven months or so, we've really tried hard for, for me to step back and for her to, you know, take ownership of it. It has been challenging on both parts. You know, she does, she's not as motivated as I would want her to be motivated and I can't tell her certain things, but just in the last, oh, month or so, we've seen her start to get motivated and start to choose her own challenges and, you know, start to take ownership. We still have a lot of work to do, but it's headed in that direction, which is nice. Yeah, that is nice. And at least you know where you have to head. Like, you know that this is, this is ultimately the goal versus just kind of pushing back and out of fear. I think a lot of times it's driven by fear with parents. Like, sure, you can't grow these neural pathways. Like, you can't do this to your brain. And and so if you're not going to do it, I'm going to force it on you. And it is hard to sit there and watch your child do compulsions or feed their OCD and know that you can't really have a part in that. All you can do is motivate and encourage. Yes. You can control your part as far as not feeding it. But by the time they're 12, most often, well, I don't say most often, but often you're not part of the compulsion. Like they find other ways to more adult ways to satisfy right. their OCD needs um, versus the six or seven year old who has to confess to you. Once mm-hmm. you're very well skilled at not feeding the OCD, OCD smart. It's like, I'm not getting fed over there. So I need to find a different source of food. Right. It moves, yeah. moves away. Yeah. So how are you trying to get her to do her own thing? Well, oh, oh, we've done a few things. I've, you know, I constantly was asking her about it, whether it was every day or every other day. And I've stepped back and only trying to talk to her about it once a week, or sometimes we can stretch it to once every two weeks if we're not in a rough patch. But um, she has to bring it up to me. And I'll say to her, you want me to be a listener or a fixer right now? And she often says a listener. And so I listen. I love that. 
keep my mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, you know what, sometimes she'll say, okay, I need you to be a fixer. What can you, you know, help me with? Or, you know, we start having her try to figure out, okay, what challenges could you do for yourself? Give me four or five that you could do. Um, whether she does them or not, it's up to her, but she's at least thinking of the challenges versus myself, just telling her what she should do. Um, and she's starting to write, she's got a little journal where she's starting to write down what her OCD is bothering her about and writing the numbers. Um, so really just handing over what I was doing and starting for her to learn how to do it as well. Which is so invaluable because really like whenever I even see families and a child, like I'll always say, you know, I'm coaching you guys, the parents to help support your child, but your child, I'm coaching you. And I normally point at the kid and I'll say, I'm teaching you how to be your own OCD therapist because mm-hmm. you're going to live with this forever. We're just part of your journey. We're just here like to be like, woohoo, let's hope, you know, we're here to support you. Support. But, yeah. Yeah. Ultimately it's going to be their deal. So I think it's great that you're teaching her, you know, to kind of structure her own exposures or decide when she wants to do them. Mm-hmm. It's still great for us to help, but for them to know that like the ownership falls on them is, is invaluable. And I think that's a hard, it's a hard thing to stomach sometimes as a parent, I think to, to let them control the pace, but so important as well. Super important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. I get it. I know my 16 year old, I can't even talk to her about anymore. (laughs) Have OCD. She has, she has social anxiety, but we went on a trip this past weekend and I was like, I don't know. We went to a water park and she just could not handle the water park. Right? She's uh-huh. like, the water is disgusting and people are walking around barefoot. And I'm like, you might have some subclinical OCD. She's like, I don't mom. I'm like, I diagnose people. <laughs> we got into an <laughs> argument about it. And then she did an exposure. Cause then I was like, well, if it's not bothering you, if it's not OCD, let's go walk in that puddle over there. You know, that one that looks really gross. And so, you know, I think you just have to, you have to kind of approach them sideways. Yes. Yes. They're not going to, not going to always take it. So the other thing I want to talk about today is that you wrote a phenomenal book through all of this. We did. So you wrote Practicing Being Brave. I'll show it to those that are on YouTube. Um, I love this book. This is actually my, my first go-to. So can you, can you talk about what made you write this and the process? Sure, sure. Uh, so uh, when she was six and she got diagnosed, uh, the first couple years, we felt pretty alone. We, we didn't have a lot of information um, and we wanted something for her personally that would communicate to her at her level. We had stacks of adult OCD books and parenting OCD books. We did have a few of the OCD children's stories, but we just felt like she needed more. The more we could get in our hands, the more we could normalize it, the better. And as I mentioned that time, we had a really good therapist and we were learning a lot. And over time, we ran into your podcasts, and we became more engaged with IOCDF, and we watched the Unstuck movie, and so we were, you know, learning all kinds of things. And at that point, which was probably, oh, almost four years into it, we felt we knew enough to share our story. And when our daughter would hear another kid had OCD, she felt such relief and connected, um, we told her about adults too, but it was really when there was another kid that she felt connected. And we felt it was really important to reach out to those other kids um, just to share the story and let them feel connected, give them hope, possible guidance. Of course, we're no professionals. We're just parents, but if I don't know, you know that goes a long way. 
Well, we, we know there's a lot of kids out there that can't get to therapy or don't have it. And so if we could just at least start them in the right direction and explain it to them, um, we thought it would be, uh, you know, make our hearts feel good to help other people just by sharing our story. So we wanted it engaging and colorful, but more importantly, informational with a positive message um, to give them hope. And so that was kind of the start of where we, we did it. Yeah, and it does all of that. You know, I think it really is a good introduction um, to OCD and to normalize it because I, the first step when we're working with a child is to normalize it. Sure. And hand, nothing is more normalizing than handing them a book that is their story. And they're kind of like, wait a minute. And I've had kids say to me, wait a minute, there's a book about this? Or, you know, sometimes I'll loan books out and they'll bring it back and they'll say, I can't believe this. This is like totally my story. Like, this is what I do. I can't yes. believe other people struggle with this. When I tell them that in therapy, they just think I'm trying to make them feel better. Or mm-hmm. they'll even say, did my mom tell you to tell me that? You know, they were just really <laughs> suspicious. Even with my YouTube videos, sometimes that helps to normalize it. But I'll have kids who will come into my practice who've watched them first and they'll say, did you make that YouTube video because my mom emailed you? <laughs> like there's just so much suspicion. But a book for some reason has a li- even more validity. No, there's something about putting a book in a kid's hands that just, like yeah. you said, there's val- validity there. Yeah, it's printed. Somebody published it, you know. Yeah. Did you write it or did you and your daughter write it or your family? Um, it was kind of a combo. I wrote it and my husband helped um, some, and then I, I showed it to my daughter and asked if she wanted to add anything or if we need to change anything. And she had a few tips. Um, but really it was my husband and I that really, you know, wrote it. It of course was all based on her story. Um, but it was the two of us. So. Yeah. And the illustrations are really cute. Aren't they cute? But that was, uh, Ross Webb. She lives in Ireland and I found her as a freelancer on the computer and did you really? What a yes. I know. She was great. Like these are just really cute illustrations. She did them all in watercolors, which is Did she really? Which I think is, I'm going to just show a couple more pictures. Sure. Yeah. These are, because a lot of times books are good, but then the illustrations kind of fall flat and I feel like they're not as engaged and kids are visual learners. So sure. yeah, I really enjoyed, I enjoyed the art in this book as well. So good. that's what we were hoping for. Yeah, it's cute. Along with everything else, but we wanted the pictures, you know, to capture the kids' attention too. Yeah, because that's the really they're learning through the words and through the images. So it's been a really invaluable tool in my office. And I think it's gonna really help a lot of parents and kids. So I will leave a link below to to get it. I'm sure it's on it's on Amazon and we also have a webpage, practicebeingbrave.com. Either way, oh, you can get them up. I didn't even know that. All right. Yeah. So practicebeingbrave.com. I'll leave a link for that as well. So um, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, our family is so grateful for your support and guidance and resources and help. And I know the whole community uh, really appreciates you you know, sharing your story. It's, it's brave of you to share your story and your family's stories. And it really makes a connection with all of us and, and you make a different difference. So you should be oh, proud I, of your work. Oh, thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I always enjoy talking to Molly. I feel like she just knows so much and has such good input about OCD. She's been an invaluable member of the AT parenting community since the very beginning. She is a founding member. We just had our one year anniversary over there. And she's been with us the entire time. So I would love to see you there as well. 
If you want to learn more about the AT Parenting Community, please go to atparentingcommunity.com or text 44222 and get on the wait list. And it's already open, but you'll get my book at AT Parent. So I hope that you are enjoying my podcast. If you are, um, I always appreciate when you give hit a star on iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you consume your podcast to show other parents that you are seeing value in the show. I greatly appreciate that. If you have a few extra seconds and you can leave a little uh, comment about what you're getting from the show or how it's helping, that is hugely, hugely helpful. Not just me because I love it, but it is really helpful to other parents who read those things and take value in the feedback that you're giving them. So I hope that you find a sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.